Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. Also, simulcast tonight on 102.9 FM WBCA. And happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you out there. And welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods tonight. Uh, two-part show, as usual, politics. Uh, and uh, starting off with a... Uh, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, uh, uh, a famous son of South Boston, he's now the city council president. Ed Flynn joins us. We'll talk about uh, his term as uh, city council president leading the council. And then on the second half, well, we'll shift gears a bit. Uh, now former state representative John Santiago is the new secretary of the executive office of veterans services for the Commonwealth of Mass. He joins us to talk about his new job and his decision to give up his seat, uh, the ninth Suffolk House seat. All that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back with uh, Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day and this weekend, a big weekend coming up here in Boston. Of course, also uh, evacuation day, but uh, many, many people, and perhaps as many as a million people will be expected to be in Boston over the weekend celebrating the uh, high holidays, so to speak, uh, including Sunday, the uh, annual uh, St. Patrick's Day breakfast roast, and then, of course, the parade immediately following, and uh, the weather's supposed to be great, so uh, uh, should be a good time to all. And uh, pleased to have joining me tonight in this first half a, a son of Southie, uh, and a uh, man who's making his own mark in, in Boston politics. He is, of course, the District 2 City Councilor and covering uh, most of South Boston and South End and part of Dorchester. Uh, I think I got all that in. And, uh, but uh, was elected uh, this past year to become uh, president of the Boston City Council. We're talking about Ed Flynn is joining us. Nice to have you here, Ed. Joe, it's great to be with you, my friend. Thanks so much. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. To you as well. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, why don't we start out talking about uh, your, your uh, tenure now as uh, president of the Boston City Council. That's a, 
uh, two-year term under the rules of the council, so this would be your second year you're, you're in. But uh, how, how are you enjoying it, uh, being in the spotlight uh, uh, as you have been to a certain extent this past year? Every day is challenging, <laughs> um, but I love, I love the job. I love going in every day, working on issues impacting the residents of the city. We have a city council central staff um, that I enjoy working with, along with my colleagues as well and their staff. So it's, it's an administrative management position and also constituent services as well. But um, it's, it's a lot of hands-on, day-to-day management administration of running the city council, the body of the city council, and the staff. I enjoy it. It's challenging what every you, day. Every what would you say is the biggest challenge? Different, different personalities, to be honest with you, um, can be challenging. Um, differences um, people have of how an office should be managed, how it should be run, um, what to focus on, what are the priorities. But I think the, my colleagues place the trust, their trust in me um, as president. So I enjoy the job. I try to do the best I can to support my colleagues, all of my colleagues and their staff along with city council central staff. It plays a critical role in our city. We're expecting the budget um, shortly from the mayor as well, but our staff plays a critical role in the budget process and working with, working with city departments. So it's, it's exciting. I love it. It's been a great, a great honor. I'm proud to have been elected the city council president. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, during the debate over redistricting, uh, there were some, some harsh words, I, I think that's fair to say, and, and accusations kind of exchanged between counselors. Uh, were you disappointed in the conduct uh, displayed by some of your colleagues and it put you in kind of an uncomfortable situation? Things can get heated in politics, but what I think is important in politics is that you can, you can disagree with each other, but be respectful. And I think we owe it to the residents of Boston to be as professional as we possibly can, to work hard, discuss the issues, to improve the lives of the residents, improve city and neighborhood services. And we can have disagreements, but it's important to respect differences of opinion and also understand that residents watch everything we say and do, and we want to put a positive uh, example uh, to the residents on how we conduct ourselves, how we behave. So it's important that we're always professional. And, and overall, I'm, I'm happy with the body, and certainly we can improve, myself included. But that's, what, that's what's great about Boston is people have differences of opinion, mm -hmm. but it's important to value differences and to work together on common issues and in, um, in interests as well. Has the response to that... Uh made it more difficult for the, you know, the body to kind of come together as a consensus? Is there some, some leftover hard feelings? Or is it the kind of thing where uh, perhaps some members feel a little chastened by what was said and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, committed to, you know, uh, keeping, the, keeping the, the language more, uh, more uh, uh, diplomatic, for lack of a better term, you know? I think all of us realize that we all have to do better, myself mm -hmm. included. Mm -hmm. We all have to 
work as hard as we possibly can for the residents, work close with the mayor, city departments, with the residents, to be civil with each other. People are watching everything we do and say, and we need to provide a positive example, especially mm -hmm. to young people. After this pandemic, it's been very challenging for so many people across our city, across our country. I've been active with the National League of Cities in other cities across America are, have similar challenges mm -hmm. that we do in Boston. Yeah. I have the opportunity to talk to uh, council presidents from New York and Chicago and Los Angeles, but they're experiencing many of the challenges we've, we've experienced here in Boston. But what I've focused on is trying to bring out the best in people, mm -hmm. focus on the positives, um, acknowledge that there are differences, but work together, work well together, and treat, treat each other with respect and dignity. And that's, that's a key part of politics and, and compromise. Right. It's not about being on the left side. It's not about being on the right side. You do what's in the best interest of the residents of the city. Well, a lot of that uh, discussion came out you know, over the whole redistricting plan. And, uh, you know, and of course, wrapped up in the middle of, in the middle of an election and uh, you know, some other charges that were kind of being tossed about. But, uh, you know, you ended up asking for the redistricting to be delayed. And I, if I remember correctly, ultimately voted against the map that was uh, adopted. Why was that? Uh, I know you, you had some qualms about the final map that was uh, put in place. And uh... My number one priority, Joe, was to unite public housing especially in South Boston. And there was two public, three public housing developments in, in, in South Boston, mm -hmm. Mary Ellen right. McCormick, uh, West Broadway, and the Ann Lynch Homes, which is Old Colony. Right. Uh, West Broadway is, is down the road from my house. Yep. And um, Ann Lynch is only about 40, 50 yards from my house. So both of those, the original plan was to take those out of um, district 2 and place them in District 3. And I kind of focused my whole career in advocacy in support of immigrant rights, public housing, uh, supporting tenants, um, food access. We did a lot of work. But I think it's important to maintain public housing developments together in a single district and not to divide them. The, the, the three biggest developments in the, right. in the city. I was going to say, I've, I represent, huge. Yeah, I represent the most residents in public housing, and I think it was important for me to unite them. And that, that was my biggest concern. That was my biggest disappointment. I'm proud to have five women of color on my staff, and we spend a lot of time uh, working on um, supporting tenants in public housing. Joe, you remember the difficult times in the, oh. in the 1980s my father integrated public housing Absolutely. in I mean, South Boston and in, in Charlestown. It was a federal federal order, uh, but he um, implemented implemented it. Yeah. Um, those were very difficult times, but I tried to do the best I can for the tenants of public housing. It's important to me. It's important to my family. Mm -hmm. um, I respect the tenants, and and I I wanted to continue representing. Mm -hmm. Ten, uh, residents in public housing. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to necessarily represent wealthy communities outside of 
outside of the my outside of South Boston. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to represent communities of mm -hmm. color. I wanted to represent immigrants. Sure. I want to represent And, and the ultimate map that was adopted, are, are they, those developments still within your district, or were they taken out? They took one development out, which is the Ann Lynch Homes, uh -huh. which is probably 40 yards from my house. <laughs> they took that out, yeah. um, and they gave me a precinct over in the back bay, an extra precinct uh -huh. that wasn't in my district. Yeah. So they took out a, a pr the public housing development, which is 40 yards from my house, and they put in a back bay precinct almost towards Fenway Park. Right. Wow. So I'm glad to represent this new precinct. I'll work as hard as I possibly can for the residents of this new precinct, um, the back bay and, the, and Beacon Hill. But my love is the residents of, sure. of public housing. Yeah. And it's, it's important to me. Um, and whether I represent them on the city council in District 2 or not, um, I'm going to still work hard for Speak them. Speak up for and, them. And, and do the best well, I can. And, and whether you, uh, District 2, well, I, I assume you're running for re-election, are you? I'm going to be running for re-election. I haven't formally announced it, but at some, at some point, mm -hmm. um, probably in May, I'll, ma I'll make a yeah. formal announcement. Yeah. But I, I do plan to announce um, that I'll be a candidate and hope I have the opportunity yeah. to serve again. I know... At this point, nobody, no uh, opponent on the horizon? I think there's, um, I think every district, there's, there's always um, people thinking about running, mm -hmm. including at large, but, um, you know, it's not my seat. It's, um, it's not Billy Linehan's seat. It wasn't Jimmy Kelly's seat. It's, it belongs to the residents of District mm -hmm. 2, and they make the decision who's, yeah. who should stay in office, who should be the newcomer. You're comfortable with that. You've uh, been elected and re-elected re -elected twice, so... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, completed six terms. Uh, we've got uh, a little bit of time left. Yeah. I want to make sure I, I get a chance to ask you. So, and how would you rate the re, uh, council's relationship with uh, Mayor Wu? Has she shown uh, willingness to work with uh, and compromise with the council? She came out of the council, so she should have an understanding of uh, how people think there. But how's that working out? Well, Joe, when she was on the Boston City Council, she was a wonderful colleague. She worked well with with everyone, with central staff, and she worked hard. She knew the issues, and she was always prepared. She was always professional. Um, as, as mayor, she's working with the council. She respects our body. She respects the members. She knows, she knows all of us, but mm -hmm. she, she has a relationship with some of us that she served with on the sure. council. But I think she's also making... Um, great relationships with, with the new people mm -hmm. as well. So I think that's positive. I think it's healthy. And it's about working together. And you do what's in the best interest of the city, yeah. of the residents, and you kind of put politics aside. There's but, a lot of egos involved lots of times. But uh, people comfortable, you think, uh, with her as far as uh, being the leader of the city now? They are. I think, I think Michelle is a person of high integrity and I respect her, I, I like her, and she cares about the city. She cares about the young yeah. people of the city. And I think she's off to a, a very strong and positive start. Very interesting. Well, I, I, and let me just ask you about that. Did you support her uh, rent stabilization bill? Uh, did you, uh, what about her, uh, what about there was, uh, and her 
plan to, well, reorganize, I think that's fair to say, the Boston, the former BRA, the Boston uh, uh, Planning and Development, uh, whatever we're calling that now, I can't get the uh, all the acronyms PPDA, straight. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you, you know, comfortable with that? And you, you voted for the rent stabilization? I did, and I voted for the BPDA uh, proposal yeah. as yeah. well. Council, Not so long ago, that would have been considered almost radical. You know, I, I agree with you. Yeah. When I when I first ran six years ago, I was talking to some residents in Chinatown, actually the Chinese Progressive yeah. Association, yeah. and they asked me what my position was on rent stabilization. Rent stabilization, and I told them I was in favor of it, and um, they were they were surprised. Yeah. And but a lot of people at that time weren't in favor of that, but it just shows you how much the city has changed in a, right. a number of years. But also Council Flaherty also had a proposal to give a little bit of tax relief to um, longtime residents and to residents that might own like a, two triple deckers. Right. I supported that. I thought that was a fair proposal Council Flaherty did um, supporting longtime residents that, that owned a little bit of a property. Um, that was defeated, unfortunately, but that was a, a good plan by Council Flaherty. Well, um, and you know, you the council has some newfound powers now since the uh, uh, passage of an uh, amendment to the charter. There, the what so-called people's budget. What is it? Ten percent uh, of the uh, city's budget is something that the uh, uh, the council, in particular, will have a, a much a bigger say in. How that's spent? How's that working out? How's the people's? Well, of course, you got to get the mayor's budget first, right? But uh, yeah, the mayor's budget will be coming out um, mid-April, uh, and at the same time, we'll be working on the participatory mm -hmm. budget process. Yeah. And you know, it's it, we're, we're all new to it, and we're all learning. But Mayor Wu has a budget and financial team that's been helpful, that works closely with our with our colleagues. Councilor Fernandez Anderson, I think, is doing a very good job. Is the Ways and Means Chair? She's your Ways and Means Chair. She's yeah. Ways and Means Chair. Um, so, I, th I think we have strong leaders in, on the council in, in in many of these committees. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues work hard. They take the job seriously. And I think I think they're a credit to their district, but also to the city as well. Yeah. What would you like to see more of the city's money spent on, Ed? I would like to see us hire more police. Yeah. We desperately need more police in the city. Police are leaving and retiring early. A lot of police are joining the fire department. Really? Wow. Yeah, especially young, young police officers. And we're, we're short. I think we need to hire two to 300 police officers every year consistently for the next 10 years. But also, Joe, I don't think, I'm not saying Boston, but I think society-wide uh, throughout, the, throughout the country, I don't think we're treating police officers and their families with the respect they deserve. Mm -hmm. I think it's having a tremendous impact, negative impact, yeah. on the morale of the force. This, uh, the whole defund uh, police uh, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. and even Commissioner Cox acknowledges that yeah. um, the constant criticism of, of Boston police and, and the police in general, I should say, in, in their families is hurting, is hurting societies, is hurting the department, mm -hmm. and it's also having an impact on recruiting retention yeah, he in was public here. safety. He said that uh, really having a very you know, difficult time you know, getting people to come in because they don't, you know, they, 
they read, they see, they, I mean, there's been a lot of incidents around the country, thank God not here, uh, you know, at least uh, none that have raised serious concerns, but, uh, uh, you know, in general, I mean, do we, do we need to hold police so more accountable, or is that just overblown rhetoric? We always need strong leadership on the Boston Police Department. I think we have that with Commissioner Cox. It's also about community policing. It's being involved and engaged in the residents. The residents have to trust the police department, and the police department has to trust the residents as well. It goes both ways. Um, you like uh, the commissioner, Commissioner Cox? Of course, given his history, uh, you know, uh, who would have thought, uh, you know, but good hire, yeah. I, somebody that you think uh, could do the job? I think it was an excellent hire by, by the mayor. I think Commissioner Cox is off to a good start. He has a very good command staff. Mm -hmm. But also what's important though is the, the rank and file police officers. They're out there every day doing the job, working hard. They're our neighbors, they're our Little League coaches, they're, they're parents, they're, they're mm -hmm. involved in the PTA. They're not the enemy, um, but we need to treat them with, with more respect and include them, listen to them. They want to be part of the, part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Community policing works, um, but the constant criticism of the Boston police is hurting morale, is hurting the department, mm -hmm. and hurting the city. Right, and could catch up with the city. Uh, again, uh, tonight on uh, this edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods, uh, Boston City Council President Ed Flynn is here, and we've got a few minutes left of him. We're also being simulcast on WBCA 102.9 FM tonight. Uh, well, it's Patty's Day. Happy Patty's Day. Are you, are you ready? Uh, how will you celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day? Well, tomorrow morning we go to the St. Augustine's Church mm -hmm. on, on Dorchester Street. There's an evacuation day mass at 9 o'clock. Yeah. There's an essay contest award ceremony shortly after that at Dorchester Heights, probably at 11 o'clock. Then I'll go into City Hall and, and do some work. And uh, I'll probably be in there till I don't know, 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Um, Friday night, we have the South Boston Citizens Association right, yeah. annual banquet. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to try to get home sometime in the afternoon and watch a little bit of college basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here we go, March Madness. Well, there's been some concern about... Uh, uh, you know, hate groups uh, yeah. uh, at the parade and, you know, also uh, every year public intoxication. Uh, you know, how have you encouraged law enforcement to deal with that? I, I know that's always a big issue every year. And la I, I don't know if it was last year, uh, there was a group that unfurled the banner uh, along the parade route and I'm not sure if they were distributed flyers too, but whatever. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Is that uh, how big of a concern is that? Well, last Friday night we had a meeting that the South Boston elected officials sponsored. It was a private meeting, but we had the mayor there, the police commissioner, um, state police, MBTA police as well. Um, we discussed the safety plan for the parade, including the possibility of hate groups coming like they did last year. Right. That was an embarrassment as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we all support the First Amendment, but what we don't support is intimidation, harassment, mm -hmm. bullying against immigrant communities, against communities of color, pe uh, 
So I think that's what happened last year. Um, I also am, I have been working on this issue with the Boston Police for many years, the Civil Rights Unit, the Human Rights Commission. Um, but Boston also has experienced hate crimes, just like any other city. We have incidents of assaults against the Asian community, um, against the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we acknowledge that we also have challenges here and we're working to address them. But we should have zero tolerance at all for any type of hate, mm -hmm. bullying, or intimidation of, of anyone, especially our immigrant neighbors, people of color, um, the Jewish community as well. Boston is a, is a city that respects our differences and respects mm -hmm. our, our, our immigrant roots. We're celebrating St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. We're celebrating the, the incredible role of the Irish that they've mm -hmm. played to this country. But we're also celebrating all immigrants and their enormous contributions sure. and sacrifices to our nation. I represent yeah. the largest um, Asian community of any city council on, in Boston. I also represent a large Puerto Rican community, a growing Somalian community. Yeah. So it's a diverse community. We're a diverse city, but we, we respect each other. And we're not going to tolerate, um, you know, these hate groups coming in here and bullying us. We're not yeah. going to tolerate that. Will you be marching in the parade? I'm going to be marching in the parade um, with my wife, Kristen, with some um, kids from the South Boston Little League team. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, a couple people from the neighborhood. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to going to the breakfast to um, support my neighbor, State Senator Nick Collins. Oh, Collins. yeah. Well, he'll need it. Well, you know, I, the reason I'm asking, of course, uh, uh, it wasn't so many years ago that, you know, uh, participation in the parade was limited. I, that's no longer the case, so thank God. But, you know, Southie uh, is not as Irish as it once was, and I think you'd be the first to acknowledge that. Uh, but is it an important tradition to carry on? You know, someone suggested, uh, you know, moving the parade downtown instead of in Southie. Is that something uh, you, uh, you think uh, we should consider, the city should consider? Well, it's, it's technically the Evacuation Day Parade. That's right. And the motto of the parade is recognizing the contributions of veterans and military families. Mm -hmm. We have proud roots in South Boston in support of our veterans, military families. We have the first Vietnam Veterans Memorial say, in the yeah. country, um, built in the country, the most men that got killed in Vietnam. Right. Um, so it's, it's a respect that we show for our Gold Star families and for the sacrifices they've made. So that's really what the parade is all about. We certainly celebrate St. Patrick's Day and the contributions of the Irish, but it's, it's really about our veterans and military families acknowledging their sacrifice, acknowledging their, their pain and their contributions they've made to make mm -hmm. our country safer. Well, uh, the parade goes on, steps off at 1 o'clock, if I recall correctly. And uh, uh, is the, the parade route, uh, the old parade route, uh, does it go over Telegraph Hill still? Uh, it, it, yeah, we're starting at Broadway Station. We're yeah. going to end up down at Andrew Station. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. And um, it'll be basically the traditional parade route. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be great to see a lot of longtime salty neighbors, but also new people. Right. There's a lot of young families in South Boston. With, with young kids, you see them at church, you see them at school, 
They, they're involved in the public library, the Moms Club of South Boston. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful way to meet people. And um, I know South Boston's gonna be welcoming to, to everybody on that day. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody is welcome to South Boston. But I also wanna say, when you do come to South Boston, it's important that you treat the neighborhood with respect as if it were your own neighborhood. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, and that includes, uh, you know, no littering and being respectful for yep. people. And well, it's always a great, uh, great time. And the saying could be as million, many as a million people. I'm sure it depends upon the weather. It sounds like it's going to be a great day. And, uh, you know, as always, something for everyone to enjoy. Uh, City Council President Ed Flynn. Nice to have you here. As always, nice to see you. You're looking good. And, it's good to be with you, my friend. Uh, it's a great day and uh, a good day to, uh, to uh, celebrate. Uh, when we come back with more of Talk to the Neighborhoods, well, uh, talk, speaking of veterans, uh, joining us, the new Secretary of the Executive Office of Veterans Services, uh, former State Representative John Santiago, uh, just appointed to his new post, and we'll talk with him about... Uh, his goals uh, under the Healy administration, all that and more on Talk of the Neighborhood. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. This is Ireland's call. Come the day and come the hour, come the power and the glory we have come to answer our country's call from the four proud provinces of Ireland. Let me come on, here we go. Ireland, Ireland, together standing tall, shoulder to shoulder. From the rugged hills of Galway, from the walls of Limerick to Dublin Bay, from the four proud provinces of Ireland. Let me hear you, come on! Ireland, together standing at Bowing, bowing, never 
All right, we're back with Talking the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, uh, like you, celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend, and uh, uh, weather is promising. And of course, uh, this weekend has not only the parade, but the annual St. Patrick's Day breakfast roast, which will be uh, cablecast right here on BNN TV. So, a good place to tune in. We're also being simulcast tonight on WBCA 102.9 FM. Pleased now to have joining me, uh, uh, well, uh, you might have seen him on the campaign trail, depending upon where you were at. He's a former, now former state representative for the 9th Suffolk House District, uh, a one-time uh, candidate for mayor, and of course he's got several other accolades, and now a brand new title to add to his name. He is the was just appointed by Governor Healy as the new uh, Secretary of the Executive Office of Veterans Affairs. We're talking about John Santiago from the South End. <laughs> Great to be here, Jim. Great to be here. Yeah. Nice to see you here, I should say. Um, well, you know, uh, very interesting. Uh, uh, I, I didn't go through all of the history, but there's a lot of, of course, you uh, served in the military uh, honorably in the Peace Corps and uh, you're an emergency room that's right. uh, a physician of at the Boston Medical. Well, you know, and and that's why I want I, you know you've had a a lot of uh, titles in your day. How, how does Mr. Secretary feel? It's a new title, and I'm not one for titles. To be honest with yeah. you, I often have my patients call me John. Yeah. When I was a rep, I would say just call me John. Yeah. Uh, this is a bit more formal, and so sometimes I guess I have to be called Mr. Secretary, but. I'm, uh, I really am just a lifelong public servant in all those experiences, whether uh, in the Army, getting deployed twice as a physician, and in my role in public office. I think they prepared me for this yeah. particular position, and I'm excited about it. I'm about two weeks into it, and I'm thrilled that the governor has decided to uh, move forward and, and implement this piece of legislation that was voted on last term uh, to really rectify and address right. some of the problems that have been right. going on not just in the veteran homes, formerly known as the soldiers' homes, right? Uh, but there's a lot of work to do. Was it, was it uh, uh, you know, uh, and I, I know you uh, enjoyed your time in the uh, house, uh, especially there's a lot of camaraderie there. Very and, much and, so. I, and, I, and it's an interesting institution, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> was it difficult to give up your seat? To it think it, it always is difficult. Seat? I worked very hard to, to obtain the seat. Yeah, uh, as I you know, know you, I, I, I took on a long, long time, almost 40 year incumbent. And, and in Boston and in the Commonwealth, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And I can recall my first campaign, no one gave us a shot. I think we knocked on you know, six, 7,000 doors. Yeah. I personally knocked yeah. on doors because that's the only way you're going to beat someone. And I learned so much about myself. Well, and then you and came community. in here, and of course, that really. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it took off from there. But no, it was great. Listen, the South End, Roxbury, Fenway, right. uh, parts of Dorchester, Back Bay, although it's primarily a South End seat, even more so now with the redistricting, it's really been an honor and a privilege uh, to just support my constituents, um, particularly in a really challenging time. Mm -hmm. It was in the era of COVID. I got in there. I was only in my office for about a year when COVID struck. Yeah. And really balancing both positions as a physician right. and as a state legislator, being able to give some perspective. Um, you know, I did this video, Twitter series throughout the pandemic, just to educate folks, right. advocate. But it was awesome. Working with Speaker DeLeo, now Speaker Mariano, right. 
two mentors who've done tremendous stuff. Their legacy in the house will yep. be there forever. And so whether it was police reform, Student Opportunity Act, uh, combating COVID, uh, or in my own district, supporting the, the, uh, the, the voters, giving uh, voice to mass and cast issues, substance right. use issues, oh, so it was much, a thrill. So much stuff going and on. And I recently got deployed. I just got back from Syria about a month ago. Oh, wow. I, you know I didn't realize that. And no. so for my time there, I got back and... And I got to thinking about my future and the next steps, and I had already sworn in as for my third term. And that's when the governor called, and then we had a conversation about the future of yeah. care yeah. and support for the veterans yeah. of the Commonwealth. Well, no, no pun intended. What, what were her, what were her marching orders that she gave you? I mean, because well, she said, "Look, this is a big, uh, this is a big step up. So, yeah, Not me, just for yeah, you, but for yeah. the Commonwealth." Well, yeah. let me, yeah, let me explain that a little bit. So, prior to this year. It was called the Department of Veteran Services. Right. And so that existed as one of, I think, 16 departments within right. the Executive Office of Health and Human Services. Right. And so now it is its own cabinet level secretariat. And so what that means is that you have direct access to the governor. The governor, Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll, the lieutenant governor, have injected a significant amount of financial and human resources into this hmm. because they believe in the veteran communities. They, they honor the sacrifice that these people have given for their country and for the Commonwealth. So I'm excited to lead that effort. And so it's somewhat of a turnaround, excuse me, somewhat of a startup. You know, you're building up an organization. Right. There's about 40 staff there. We're almost tripling that. Wow. Uh, internally. And, but it's also somewhat of a turnaround. We have a lot of relationship building to recreate, trust to rebuild, particularly when it comes to the homes. And I'm excited to lead that effort. So it's somewhat of a, a startup and a turnaround, uh, but I'm excited about the challenge. Well, you and you, you served and you've served uh, I'm, I'm not sure how, yeah, many, so I've how, been, many, how many years. I've again. been in the Army Reserve for about 10 years. 10 years, I've been right. deployed twice. You're once a major to now? I'm a major right now, and right. I just got back from Syria this well, last month. Wow, in Syria as well, and I you know, I didn't even realize we had troops still there. We do. we got about 1,000 American soldiers there, uh -huh. as you in likely know. In northwestern, northeastern. Exactly, yeah. The, the, say, the northeastern third of Syria. Right. There's a significant civil war happening. It's, I don't know, it's over 10 right. years. Right. It will probably probably be the tragedy of the 21st century. Uh, but the Americans have aligned themselves with a, a Kurdish force um, mm -hmm. to support uh, the area and really to tackle and beat down ISIS. Um, there's still a terrorist element in that part of the world. Right. Yeah. And so I was there uh, in support of the American troops and wow. I got back early February. Wow. I saw my family. Uh, I just had a kid uh, a year ago. Say, you know, you're so a lot of changes these father, last couple you know, of years. You've got a lot of stuff going. And so now we got this new job. Yeah. And I'm thrilled and I'm just excited that the governor well, um, is let, me. let me ask you a little bit about that because, you know, uh, you know of course, a lot of people you know, you know, say they have great respect for for veterans, but, you know, uh, some of that I think is, is lip service. And some of that I think is just kind of a misunderstanding about the needs of veterans and what kind of what they've gone through. What do, what do you think are the public's greatest misunderstandings about the, the problems or issues facing veterans? So in Massachusetts, we have about 300,000 veterans. Wow. Yeah. It's, an, it's an aging community, actually. Yeah. It's one that's, that's actually decreasing. Huh. And the community is actually growing more diverse, more veterans of color. The fastest growing segment of the veteran community are women, actually. And so each veteran, they have their daily issues just like you and I, right? Some are successful, some aren't as successful. Um, you know, some have issues with respect to housing, substance use, mental, just like the one of the mail. Right. But when you serve your country and you get deployed sometimes, 
um, you put yourselves at risk for encountering certain situations um, that perhaps may result in sort of, you know, whether it's a mental health diagnosis, PTSD, right. yep. and those types of things. So veterans, by and large, are at risk for things like of that nature. And so you know, we're there to support them, give them the uh, resources they need when they get back. Um, and obviously, a veteran who served during the Iraq or Afghanistan campaign is different from one that served in Korea or Vietnam. Certainly. Particularly our older veterans. You know, yeah. They may be suffering from a lack of income, um, you know, the need for uh, housing services. So different communities, different issues, but you know, the message to them from me and the Healy Driscoll administration is that we have your back. Right. And we're committed to working with you. And, and oh, you met, mentioned the uh, veterans' homes, of course, of, during the pandemic. There's uh, you know, a lot of controversy and, well, unfortunately, a lot of people who served their country and, passed. And, right, passed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and words cannot begin to describe oh. uh, uh, you know, the trauma yeah. and the tragedy that resulted in, in Holyoke and, and Chelsea. There's still a tremendous amount of grief uh, with the families that were impacted by it. Yeah. The veterans who still live there the veteran community writ large, uh, but also the staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a really challenging oh, yeah. experience. Oh. Uh, but what I can tell you is that although you can't change the past, uh, we, play, you know, you, we will reshape the future, and I'm committed to doing that. And that's why it was important that one of my first visits on my first week as veteran secretary oh. was to visit Holyoke. Oh. And in fact, this week I visited Chelsea as well. Yeah. To talk to the staff, to talk to the leadership, and to talk to the veterans. Yeah. Would you consider that your uh, your greatest challenge uh, that you you know as it's you look forward? It's definitely going to be a challenge and, for sure. And maybe you know, I mean, you know, we well, don't know what's coming. Yeah. Either, no, you, know? you never know what's coming. Yeah. But what I can tell yeah. you is, though, in visiting Holyoke, my first impressions and talking to the staff there, I was impressed by the operations, um, the the infection control going on. They've done a tremendous amount of work. And I have to give credit to the superintendent, Mike Lazo, for his work there. Um, he's built a good team. Right. Now, there are workforce issues impacting the entire healthcare workforce. Yeah, not just I don't care not if you're just an there. academic yeah. medical center, yeah. Oh, yeah. small community hospital, or Boston Medical Center. Exactly, Boston <laughs> Medical Center. So they're doing a great job there. And a part of it is just rebuilding the trust in the community, uh, not just in the local community, Holyoke, mm -hmm. Springfield area, but also throughout the Commonwealth and for the veteran community. Uh, Chelsea, Opposite side of the state, a whole set of different issues, you know, widely reported in the press. You know, we've been in two weeks. I just visited Chelsea this week as well. Had a great time sitting down with staff and veterans mm -hmm. to hear about their experiences. There's not just a long-term care center at each. Um, you know, there's also a dorm, domiciliary right. component as well. Um, there's been a significant capital investment to build a new long-term care center. I was just right. in the Chelsea one. It's yeah. called the Community Living Center. Yeah. Uh, it's a, quite a modern building. I mean, it's so beautiful. I would actually live there. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a, a wonderful one. It'll hopefully open in June. And in Holyoke, as you know, they were given a conditional award to rebuild uh, the house. So some right. good stuff so happening. A lot of stuff. And my goal, really, outside of all the cool stuff we want to do and all the important stuff, we have programs dedicated to providing economic support, homeless services, mm -hmm. uh, a number of things. Yeah. But my goal is to really re to build the foundation. Yeah. Like I said, we're hiring a number of people um, to build out the secretariat. It's it's tough to do. To but if you were to look forward and and you, you know, uh, serve your full full four years of the governor's term, and you know, I'm assuming you will. Uh, what would how how would you what would you consider it a success if you accomplish? Well, there were a number of things listed in the piece of legislation that was passed. Uh -huh. So these homes were essentially 
um, effectively run by, well, there was a superintendent who was right. selected by the board yeah. of trustees yeah. at each home, right? So the governance structure has completely changed, right? And so with that also, a number of things have changed. These homes have to be DPH and certified by CMS as well. The superintendent has to be a nursing home administrator. There's a certain level of uh, professionalism that has to go with it's that as well. So building that culture at each home, but also within the institution of the executive office as well, becoming a cabinet brings along a whole host of different expectations. Um, and so we're prepared to do that. Right. We want to build a team. And you know the budget's about $186 million right now. Um, we have some partners in DC who want to be helpful. But again, it's not just the homes. It's really reestablishing relationships mm -hmm. with all the veteran service office, uh, offices. And in fact, today I was in Cape Cod uh, with mm -hmm. the Cape and Islands um, Outreach Center there. Um, they've done some amazing work over the past couple of years. We've invested in them. Um, and uh, just, just showing me what they've done, investing in homelessness, uh, prevention, food security issues. So I'm excited about the work. Well, you got a lot on your plate. Now, what about your medical career? Are, are, have you given up on that? Uh, no, I'm I, also, I, I digress here. But uh, <laughs> no, The medical career is very important to me. Yeah, I, I know spent a number yeah. of years yeah. in, co in college, oh, medical school, yeah. training at a place and like work Boston. As an, in the emergency. I work in the emergency room at Boston Medical Center, most, arguably one of the toughest places yes, it is, in yeah. the country. And I've learned so much about myself. And I'll tell you what, you know, when I decided to become a doctor, uh, I did that after I... I enrolled in medical school after the Peace Corps. And in Peace Corps is when you know, I got my first experiences organizing communities, meeting people, making things happen, implementing plans. But you lose sight of some of the kind of the individual stories here. And I remember as a Peace Corps volunteer, someone getting hurt and walking outside and not being able to do anything with your hands. And that's when I said, listen, I gotta get into medical school. And so I say that because medicine, particularly the emergency department, is always a reminder of what's happening in the mm -hmm. real world, right? You know, you can get lost, sometimes you can get lost in the boardrooms, and on Beacon Hill, and all these meetings, and all these you votes. You don't have your head screwed on straight. You exactly, you just, you, you, you just forget. Yeah. You work one shift at Boston Medical Center in the emergency department, a trauma shift, whether it's a gunshot wound, COVID case, someone having a heart attack or stroke, and it reminds you of the suffering out there mm -hmm. and the work that we need to do. Well, you know, I, I saw that uh, the, of course, the uh, Congress passed, uh, uh, just passed legislation, uh, and the president signed it regarding the, these burn pits. Yeah. And certainly you're familiar with those, having served them in the Middle East. And, and uh, uh, you know, how, how is, is that a bigger problem than many people recognize? I mean, is well, I mean, these, these environmental issues have come up here and there. I mean, mm -hmm. Camp Lejeune is another one. Yeah. And I think it's important for us as American citizens to really understand the risks that these soldiers take when they leave. Right. Yes, you're at risk. You're put in harm's way, whether it's a drone attack or, 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 or an assault on you. But there's also some significant environmental hazards. Where I was in Syria, I mean, the drinking water, um, there were burn pits that were just taken down. I mean, it's not the healthiest place to live. Mm. Um, and, and that's why when veterans come back, often they might have a disability of some sort. Yeah. And, and they get some sort of rating from the VA, right. and it's up to us to really support them and make sure, again, that these folks volunteer to serve their country yeah, and that we do right. our very best right. um, to honor and that sacrifice. Service. Many of them. Yeah. Uh, as a doctor, as a uh, practicing physician, and, and now as a secretary, how would you rate the, uh, uh, the medical services that are provided by the VA? So, so I think, it, you know, VA sometimes gets a bad rap. Well, that's you know? what I was wondering yeah. about and, this. Yeah. But actually, if you look at the data, there's some a lot of 
data out there to suggest it does a pretty good job. And when I interact with veterans, and I haven't worked at a VA, I did do some medical training at a VA when mm -hmm. I was a medical student. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's outside of the scope of what I do. Um, right. Without a doubt, we're going to have a good relationship with the VAs and the institutions here uh, in Massachusetts. So I'm actually going to be meeting one uh, in, in the next week or so. And so they serve as an important referral mechanism. They give services, and I'm looking to develop that relationship and see how we can benefit them from my position as a new um, Secretary of Veterans Services. How would you rate uh, the work of the, of the, of, uh, the Commonwealth uh, versus other states in terms of serving veterans? You know, we do a pretty good job here. Kind of, uh, a little bit. We do a pretty good job here of providing benefits to folks. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the average state provides about 36 benefits. We actually do about 40 here. The problem here that I'm seeing and that I'm reading about and learning about is that oftentimes not many veterans know about the benefits. You know, and for me. For example, I just got back from Syria. I recently found out, just before I was appointed and sworn as Veterans Services, that there's a welcome home bonus for folks who come back from you know, a, uh, a combat zone. Mm -hmm. So I'm entitled to 1000 bucks, And you know, for some folks, that's a lot of money. You're 18, yes, 20 years you old, you come anything. back, you don't have anything. A lot of these folks who may join the military, they don't come from the best economic circumstances. And they might not know about it. So how do we go out there uh, as an executive office and make sure that everyone, all the veterans, to the best of our ability, are aware of the vast benefits that we offer? Mm -hmm. and so I'm committed to doing that uh, in a way that is um, inclusive, um, that, that understands the diversity of the, of the veteran experience, whether you're a man, your gender, um, excuse me, your gender, your race. Right. What's interesting about this particular position I've had a couple of jobs, as you've mentioned, and the missions have always been important. Right. But this is special. Um, this is actually quite inspiring. The first week, whether it was at a VFW meeting or you know, at a local nonprofit, there's a special inspiration about the mission. Absolutely. I hear it when I talk to veterans, when I talk to folks who work in that space, and to me it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. And it's something I really didn't quite pick up on. Obviously, you know, my family has served, I have served, mm -hmm. it's been important to me. But this is unique, and I'm just learning a little bit more about you're, it. You're starting and, to get and, the, and, get I'm, it, and get I'm inspired about yeah. it. And I'm also inspired about the governor's leadership. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of commercials and with basketballs and, and talking about teams. <laughs> Spinning but, but she is a real believer in the team. Yeah. yeah. And she's been committed to working alongside and supporting her cabinet secretariats as much as she possibly can. And I've just been inspired and really enthusiastic mm. about her leadership. And well, and and every while we've got just a few minutes left. Uh, you know, you know. You are providing a public service, whether it's a, uh, you know, your, your service in the military from the Peace Corps as a uh, practicing physician, and now, where does that come from? What? Uh, what? what, uh, what? Uh, you know, that's, that's a, you know, yeah, not uh, an easy thing, you it's, know? It's, and people, a lot of people don't understand it, you know? Where, where's that I, commitment the to The commitment public? to serve, I just feel very lucky and blessed. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in asking yourself, what is going to be your legacy? God willing, you live to be 85, 86, 87 years, whatever the life expectancy mm -hmm. is, what will be your legacy and how will you give back? And to me, I said, I don't want to look back and say I didn't do enough. And whatever talents I have, skills, mm -hmm. blessings that I have, I've seen a lot of pain and suffering in this world, domestically and internationally. And if I can give back in any which way, well, then I'm, I'm, I'm game for it. 
And to me, uh, I'm excited about the challenge. It's very hard work. Uh, but you know, I get to go home tonight and say, that, listen, I did my best to serve this community or that community. Right. To me, that makes me feel good and that makes me proud of um, you know, what, we're, what we're doing as an executive office. Well, you know, I, you, you've served in, as I said, many capacities. And I, and I mentioned at the top of the show that you briefly were a candidate for mayor. You ultimately decided to withdraw. But uh, you, do you see yourself at some point in the future maybe running for office again? I mean, I, it's hard to say now, <laughs> yeah. you know, with what you have on your plate in yeah. front of you. But uh, uh, right, right now I'm committed to doing my very best for the veteran community. Mm -hmm. I want to wake up every single day thinking, how best can I treat and serve the veterans of the Commonwealth? And how do we make sure that the Healy Driscoll administration is, is, is doing the best they can to, to do just mm -hmm. that? And, and we're excited about it. I mean, I did learn a lot about politics and policy, and I learned the importance of relationships mm -hmm. and, and one's word, and, and, and it was a great experience, my four years, four plus years in public office. I learned so much in the mayor's race. I mean, my, the curve, learning curve was like that. Uh -huh. And those skills, without a doubt, um, are been useful throughout my entire life. And, and they will be. And they will be. Yes, they uh, will. And be. so I'm looking forward yeah. to the challenge of putting up the secretariat, building them foundations so we can best serve our veterans, and making sure the Healy Driscoll administration is shining. As you know, their budget just came out. Right. Um, well, the uh, word is clearly out, and yeah. uh, you're uh, you know one of the leaders that uh, you know I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing and in uh, the work you do, and uh, thank you so much for coming well, by. My pleasure. Again, John, John Santiago is the new Secretary of uh, Veterans Services for the Commonwealth of Mass, uh, uh, former state representative from the South End, and uh, unfortunately we're out of time. I could talk forever about this, but I appreciate you coming by. You're watching Talk of the Neighborhood here on the Boston Neighborhood Network. Uh, we're here to, tonight and every Thursday night at the same time. We'll be back next week. Until then, for the entire staff and crew here, uh, thank you for watching. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Have a great night.